Welcome to Eurodollar University with Jeff Snyder. My name is Emil Kalinowski, and today we're going to be calling the Federal Reserve to ask them where the reverse repo purchase program total is. Or maybe they report it every Wednesday and then we don't have to call them. Jeff, they've been reporting that they've recently crossed a big round number. It's incredible. We haven't talked about this too much, but it used to be all the rage about how fast this program was growing and it's only grown since. And now we are at how many trillions? Two, dual, double, dual Bananas. trillions. Those trillions. Tell us the Federal Reserve is doing this because there's what? Why? What's the mainstream opinion? And then we'll give the Eurodollar University opinion. Yeah, the conventional explanation is there's too much money. The Fed has flooded the world with all these bank reserves and they have no place to go. So they're finding their way to the reverse repo, oversimplifying a little bit. But essentially, that's the, the connection that's made. That there's because the Fed has printed so much money, a lot of sloshes around the world and it has to find a home. And that home is the Fed's reverse repo, which the Fed will tell you is the whole purpose of the reverse repo is to create stability in money market rates so that money market rates maintain the integrity of the monetary policy regime, which is focused on federal funds, which means that federal funds in competition with other market rates. We want to keep the federal funds in this range that we've said that we're going to keep the federal funds in. And if the reverse repo creates sort of a floor under other money market rates, then we don't have to worry about the federal funds rate going below our target because the reverse repo will, quote unquote, soak up all this excess money, thereby keeping rates harmonized. Everybody's happy. The markets obey what the Fed has set out and nothing to worry, nothing whatsoever to worry about. Even the situation as drastic and flooded with money as supposedly we currently experience. And so what is actually happening with the reverse repo? Because not everyone may know, but basically the Federal Reserve is borrowing money, bank reserves, and then putting up collateral, sending collateral out into the market to a bank or financial institution of some sort, and the and then reversing it the next day, except that what what is interesting here, they're paying an interest rate on this, the annualized interest rate that comes in at, what is it, Jeff, 0.8%? Currently, percent? yeah. Yeah. Okay, super. And so that should be serving as a floor of some sort. Yeah, let's reinforce that point a little bit more because we emphasize this every time. We should emphasize it. In theory, if you could lend cash to the Federal Reserve at 80 basis points collateralized by U.S. Treasuries, this is the safest hmm. of the safest of the safest of the safest hmm. of the safest of the safest of possible transaction on a short term basis you'll ever be able to find. Why would you ever accept less than 80 basis points in Anything else, anything else out there, there's a whole wide world menu of choices available to you. Why would you ever accept less than 80 basis points when you can get that from the Fed on a collateralized basis, which is the entire theory behind why the IRP is supposed to establish a floor for federal funds? Because I'm not going to lend in the repo market at you know less than 80 basis points when I can get 80 from the Fed. And if I can lend in repo at something greater than uh, if the IRP creates a floor than for repo, it's going to create a floor for federal funds and everything else beyond beyond it. So it really you have to start thinking about this from that perspective on an individual basis. Why would you ever accept less than 80 basis points for anything? And in theory, there really shouldn't be anything trading less than 80 basis points. Now, the other reason that we look askance at this entire program as having anything to do with too much money is because if 
first began to percolate when the global economy, global monetary, not the global economy yet, but the monetary system started to hiccup. You remember, Jeff, there was essentially nothing, even though there was always too much money, right? There's always too much money, but it didn't do anything. In the first percolation, there was a little bit of a, somebody breathed funny and then nothing. But then the first notable percolation was when, when Fedwire went south and turned itself off that was in late first, February. Yeah, that was the first minor blip, late February 2021. There was just a little tiny bit that moved into the uh, reverse yeah. repo temporarily. Then it kind of moved out. and I would say negative sign. You know, something went wrong. Something went off. Something turned so many different monetary accounts the wrong direction. And then we see activity in this account. Interesting. And then when did it really start to accelerate, Jeff? I believe it was when the the spreads, uh, the 10-year, two-year spread peaked, or was it just the nominal yield? It wasn't the nominal Both at yield. The time. Was it? Yes, it okay. was March so, 19th, 2021. So just a couple weeks after Fedwire. You're absolutely right. You see it in some of the some of the yield curve uh, calendar spreads, like the I think the five, 10-year. Uh, I mm -hmm. believe that peaked in on May 24th, back in February. But the two tens, you're right. It may be the five tens or the seven tens. I can't remember off the top of my head, but you're right. There was a couple of those key calendar spreads on the yield curve that topped out to this day on March 18th and March 19th, which just happened to be the same exact day that money started, money, stuff started piling head over fist into the reverse report. It's exact same timing. And so it's, it's really hard to square this circle by saying there's too much money going into the reverse repo or the reverse repo going up because there's too much money with what a flattening yield curve pretends, which mm. is falling inflationary and growth potential, which you would never associate with excessive money. So something is not right with the explanation going back to the very first part of it. And as you said, as you pointed out, why would it be March 19th or February 24th? There was nothing particularly special about the level of bank reserves on those particular no. days. So yesterday, yeah. nobody wanted to use the reverse repo. Then all of a sudden, there was a couple billion mm -hmm. more in bank reserves that triggered the sustained avalanche and reverse repo ever since. No, of course not. There's no randomness here. And when you see all of these other correlations and coincidences, you realize that they're not really random coincidences. It's just they don't add up to too much money. This thing started coming to life when things started going wrong in the monetary order. Now, it's not so much the level, I suppose, that we're concerned about, although it seems bananas, but how several important money rates, money alternatives, short-term alternatives to the reverse repo program at the Fed are behaving, including the four-week treasury bill, which we've talked about all the time, very often. Yeah, we beat that dead horse, floor. don't we? <laughs> and we'll beat Let's it some more. Let's introduce a new one. <laughs> Let's introduce a new one. Sofer, oh, this Sofer. rate, yeah, tell us, it's, it too is below the RRP going rate. Sofer, if people aren't familiar, Sofer is sort of a conjured Frankenstein's monster of an interest <laughs> rate that the Federal Reserve conjured because it wants to get rid of LIBOR simply because, not because LIBOR doesn't work, but because LIBOR works only too well and points out what's exactly wrong with the monetary system. First of all, that it's offshore. And second of all, that the Fed is not really a central bank. So software is essentially a repo rate. It's an amalgamation of different kinds of different kinds of repo rates. 
but it's, it's a secured, it's in the name, secured overnight financing rate, which is basically repo rate, GC repo in particular. So SOFR, repo, repo, SOFR. Let's think about it that way. And as we just said before, as Emil started out this segment talking about, why would you accept less than the RRP for something like repo? Why would you go into the repo market and lend cash at, say, 78 basis points when you can get 80 from the Fed? But yet that's exactly what we have seen. We've, we've seen it ever since last year that has become more frequent over the past couple of months when we've seen all of this collateral fireworks, we've seen the T-bill rates at ridiculously low levels, we've seen all of these other things happen. So something is tugging on GC repo and SOFR in addition to you know the, the reverse repo rate not, not acting as a floor. So there's something else going on here that doesn't necessarily add up to too much money. And what is that specifically, that there's not enough collateral in the system? We start thinking about, yeah, when we start thinking about from the perspective of a money market fund, for example, because money market funds are the primary counterparty to the reverse repo at the Fed. And if you look at the counterparty list, all the big money market fund companies are there. So most of the cash that gets flooded into the reverse repo are money market funds who are interested in as, you know, post reserve fund member 2008, the breaking of the buck, all that stuff. Money market funds only want to keep a stable net asset value. So because they're limited to short-term liquid instruments, because they're interested in safety above everything else, they want to find as many and as good of borrowing counterparties as they possibly can because they have cash to lend in these short-term markets. And if you're the counterparties that you're lending to maybe don't have the right collateral you're looking for, maybe they have lesser quality collateral that you're looking for, or that you were okay with lesser quality collateral yesterday, but you're not okay with lesser quality collateral today, then it's uh, you have you still have the same cash to put to work, or maybe you have more cash to put to work, but you don't have the same number of counterparties that you're willing to lend those funds to. So it isn't that you have too much money, you don't have enough collateral ready or collateral eligible counterparty borrowers to lend to. And so in that situation, Maybe you look at GC repo. Maybe you look at, you know, GC treasury repo. Maybe you look at the reverse repo of the Fed simply because you can't go into the rest of the repo market and lend on lesser quality collateral because you're risk averse. So what we're doing is we're tying money market funds as well as dealers and all of the cash lenders in this, in the market, in the system in the marketplace. We're lending into reverse repo, not because they have too much money but because there's too little good usable collateral across the rest of the borrowing complex. That big picture, Jeff, is that there are many different forms of money, just like in our wallet right now. We've got pennies, quarters, debit cards, credit cards, and the Federal Reserve is central to the pennies, to the bank tokens, to the bank reserves. But guess what? The rest of the global economy functions on a much higher more flexible kind of money, the credit cards that we all have, collateral. So when we're saying there's not enough collateral, that's another way of saying there's not enough money. Collateral is a kind of money, like a debit card is a money, a kind of credit card. But I we love, have- You know, Emil, sorry yeah, to interrupt, but you know, I love these further on this point. I loved how we, we talked about in a recent episode, how the Federal Reserve back in 2017 Looking at this very same dynamic where the treasury bill rate was less than a reverse repo. And I love how they put it. I can't remember exactly what the quote was, but they, they characterized the situation as I believe it was 
Treasury bills were superior to bank reserves as a monetary form. I'm paraphrasing a little bit, Perfect. but that is exactly the truth. Bank reserves have a very narrow, limited scope in use, whereas collateral is essentially the lifeblood of the entire modern system and sadly remains that way to this day. And who's in charge of bank reserves? The Fed. The Fed. Right. And who's in charge of the financial collateral, this esoteric money? Nobody. The system. Yeah, <laughs> Absolutely nobody. nobody. And that gets, you know, so, and that gets into all this, the conversations that we've had over time about collateral, what actually, what actually happens on the collateral side of things, which we can't get into here. I'm sure we're going to revisit this topic many times in the future. But suffice to say, the reverse repo is telling us that the market cannot find enough enough borrowers with the right quality, the right kind of collateral. And so they're seeking other opportunities, including dumping into U.S. Treasury GC repo so that the rate of the GC repo goes below the reverse repo simply because of the gravity of all this lack of collateral. So the four-week bill rate way below RRP, although it's starting to go up again because rate hikes are becoming a much closer possibility. You know, the reverse repo is going to be 130 basis points in all likelihood within a couple of weeks from now. So it even so, treasury bill rates today, I think the four-week bill rate today is still under 80. The uh, eight-week bill rate is still under 90. It's less than RR, it's less than the IOER. So heavy yes. demand for collateral a lack of uh, availability or lack of opportunities amongst cash lenders to find collateralized borrowers in the marketplace. All of it telling us that it's not too much money. It's too little collateral. Jeff, in this article, which I don't know if I've told the audience yet what it was called, it's called RRP use hits 2 trillion. So for like T-bills below RRP rate, what is really going on? And it was posted on the fifth, no, on the 23rd of May, 2022. We're not, I guess we can get into it, but at the very end of your article, you've got three graphs. One of them is securities lent to dealers by the Federal Reserve. The next one is the Federal Reserve Bank of New York primary dealer statistics and its repurchase agreement fails to deliver and to receive. And then the third graph includes, it shows a the Federal Reserve's balance sheet, one particular line, securities held in custody for foreign official and international accounts. And for each of them, each of them, you can see the inflection taking place in April or March. Yes, or April and March of 2021, Jeff. Meaning. These are leading indicators, leading indicators, early warnings, these measures of money that we don't hear about. I didn't mention bank reserves in here, but each of these things inflected south in April or March of 2021. You called that the uh, fifth euro dollar crisis had begun in May, June. That's when economic accounts started turning south. It's amazing how these monetary measures lead and warn us uh, of trouble ahead. And now here we are with even worse economic activity on, on the horizon. I just wanted to bring that to everyone's attention. You also have the US dollar in here, uh, trade weighted, and that's more of a coincident in indicator. So that's a coincidence versus early warning. I love it. Yeah, as we've been saying, you know, it's been over a year. This isn't Russia. This isn't rate hikes. 
This goes way back before taper, even tapering QE. This goes back to the early part of last year, Fedwire, last February. What we've been saying is that this is building, this is coming. Increased probability of deflationary outcomes. And over the year plus in between, there has been the markets as well as the economy has had every opportunity to go in a different direction. Yet it continues to move in the same direction, the direction that was plotted out as a is a reasonable, sad, unfortunate probability going back to, as you said, April, March, uh, May last year in all of these various forms, collateral, scarcity, risk aversion, regardless, immaterial, unrelated to the level of bank reserves, unrelated to what the Federal Reserve is doing in any capacity, because this stuff all began when QE was at its maximum, when it's at its most extreme, when the level of bank reserves was rising highest. It went all the way through tapering QE through last fall. Nothing changed. It, the, the economy, like the markets, like collateral shortage, only got worse and continued to move in that same direction. Now the Fed is doing rate hikes. Guess what? The markets are still moving in the same direction because the Fed doesn't actually matter here. As you said, bank reserves are the laundromat token. 